So welcome to Black Introvert Intellect segment. This week I have a special guest and her name is Kenny um, Dominguez. And I'm so happy to have her here because she is a career coach for women of color um, who are introverts. So that is really amazing. So you want to talk more about that and just give us a little bit of info on you and just tell us about yourself. No, thanks, Jeanette. And I appreciate um, you having me as a, a guest um, on this podcast. So thank you so much in advance. Um, so my name is Kenny Dominguez, and I'm a workplace strategist and career coach. Um, I specialize on working specifically with Black women and other women of color who identify as introverts. And um, what I do is I like to work with introverts and helping them understand more about themselves, how to work with their energy, you know, how to show up you know, unapologetically as an introvert in the workplace, and, and honestly, like how to navigate uh, some of the issues and the challenges that we come across in the workplace as, as introverts. Yep, and that's why I brought you here today because this um, this segment of Black Introvert Intellects, we're focusing on how to be an introvert in the workplace and own it. Because I see a lot of people, and I get a lot of questions on like, how are you a teacher and an introvert? Like, how do you balance both things? And it's like, I never really thought about it, but I think this is a good conversation to have. And, you know, I want to start with you of like, what are some tips that we can use or um, bring with us when we're working in the workplace and just showing up as our true self. No, absolutely. And so, you know, a lot of people, including myself, have kind of spoken at length about, you know, the importance and the value of being yourself, being authentic in the workplace and being unapologetic about it as an introvert. Um, but the more I thought about this and started to examine that idea, it occurred to me that you know, in the world, you know, or in the workplace, like it doesn't really make it easy for us to do that, especially mm -hmm. like as black women who are introverts um, and the workplace isn't really an exception. And then when you add on that layer of, you know, complexity around the intersectionality of our communities, black women who also have a preference for introversion um, and having to confront like some of the stereotypes of what it means to be a black woman in the workplace. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, we're just talking about that. Yeah. And then if we don't fit that stereotype, it's like, whoa, she's weird. Yeah, like you don't, yeah. you, when you show up differently than what people are expecting you to, um, and you're not, you know, you're not showing up as someone who's maybe gregarious or loud or uh, entertaining. Um, and if you're not matching those ideas and some of those tropes, and by they, I mean like white people in the workplace, mm -hmm. they won't often know what to do with us. And so, um, the question then becomes like how do we how do we clear that hurdle right because it's not fair no. and it's not right like we recognize that we understand that intrinsically but the hurdle is still nevertheless it's there and it's not going anywhere anytime soon right and so i think the answer begins with learning how to exert your own personal power and what i mean by that is that everything that we do like it starts and ends with your mindset and how you approach things right so at, so you have to first I think know your own mind and you have to know who you are and you have to know what you're about so that you can stand true in that. And to do that, you have to know, okay, what is it that I value? What, it, what are the things that I care most about? You have to understand and do some work around knowing what your innate strengths are. Like what are your natural gifts and talents that you can contribute in the workplace? Uh, and you also have to be discerning enough to recognize which areas we sometimes fall short or like where we can improve. And sometimes that's hard, you know, but I think as introverts, 
you know, with we're very critical on ourselves. <laughs> we're overly critical yeah. of ourselves, mm-hmm. and so we need to like learn how to kind of curb that sometimes. Um, but I think that once you have a real awareness of who you are, um, you, you have to have a real awareness of who you are before you can really have the ability to show up like as an introvert in the workplace and as a black woman in your fullness and really own that in the workplace. And you have to really first do that work, I think, before you can even do that. Because once you know who you are, like that's an incredibly powerful thing. And it becomes powerful because once you know who you are, there's no room for anyone else to push their perceptions and their opinions onto you, right? Like no one can tell you who you are or what it is that you need to be no one can tell you, oh, you know what? Because we've all been at the the center of receiving performance feedback or like, you know, just general feedback from a manager that's like, oh, you know, you need to emulate, you know, more extroverted behaviors or you need to be more open or you yeah, well, can, can you talk more? Can you talk? Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> Another big one, and I remember this happening to me. I don't know if you can uh, relate to this, Jeanette, but uh, being told things like, you know, I really just can't read your face. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't like, know are you, are you there? Are you paying attention? Are you alert? Like, are you with us? And it's like, I am so with you. It's just, that's just how my face looks. <laughs> right? That's just my resting face. Yes. Of me thinking about the right thing to say. <laughs> right. And it's almost like in the workplace, especially for black women who are introverts, you, it almost becomes like an investigative, like approach that they, that people will take with you. Like, I don't understand what you're thinking. I don't know. I don't know if you're really engaged in the work. So then people start to question like your level of engagement. And oh yeah. People, right. And when people start to question your level of engagement, you know, that leads to like misperceptions around things like, well, does this person really want to be considered for this promotion? Are they really wanting to like move up in the company or in this organization? Then people start to, to question your level of commitment and your dedication based off of one experience or a series of experiences that really has a lot more to do with how they feel and less about what you're actually projecting. Um, and so one of the things I would say, um, and I think this goes to talk to you about being overwhelmed at work too. Yep, because that's the question. We'll get to that question. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Is that um, we have to stop managing other people's feelings and emotions because it's incredibly exhausting. And I Yeah, think, meanwhile, you're trying to do your own and then you're managing someone else's now. Right. And I think introverts, especially Black introverts, have almost been programmed to do this in the workplace. The amount of time and energy that we exert on trying to manage other people's feelings and emotions and and trying to help people work through their own feelings. Towards us too, like how people feel towards us. It's like, who cares? Who cares? Exactly. And and honestly, the reality of that and all of that work is that the impact of it has been detrimental. Mentally. Yeah, for our own emotional and mental wellness. Um, And it's forced us to place our own feelings, our own wants, needs, desires, um, on the back burner. And so we're so busy trying to help people understand more about us and counsel them and help them um, be able to navigate their own feelings that somewhere in the shuffle, like we get lost and then we burn out. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I did want to touch on though is that, you know, to, to, get, to get back to the whole idea of like personal power, 
Um, you know, I think that once you've taken the time to, you know, like know who you are, like that's the, that's the first initial step into being able to own it in the workplace, I think, is having that mindset that no one can really move you or try to um, shift the perception of who you know you are. Um, but once you, once you do the work to figure that out, like you gain understanding. And I think through understanding, you find acceptance. And once you accept who you are, right, that's when you can move into celebration. And that's where the real magic lies, I think, right? Um, because when you can embrace yourself, when you don't need or feel the, the need to apologize for who you are, and you don't over-explain yourself, you know, you show others like how to rock with you and how to work with you. And then you learn how to communicate more about yourself because you know yourself. And you can do so confidently because you've done the work um, internally to know like what your preferences are and how you want to show up in the workplace and in the world. You know, I was gonna, I was just writing down taking notes cause I'm like, oh, this is good for just me. <laughs> my personal life but I do agree with the point where you really have to know yourself because the I'm not sure which episode it was or which volume but we were talking about potential and all of this stuff connects right like if you want to find out who you are your potential or finding your purpose and it all comes down to like finding who you are and being able to accept all parts of yourself, good and bad. And I feel like a lot of people don't do that. They just wanna focus on the good and not sit with the the bad part of it. And it's like, then you're not gonna really, you know, find your, your true purpose or find what you really wanna do. Right, and I think somewhere, I think you touched on a really great point, Jeanette, because like, you don't wanna like, everything's on a spectrum, right? So you don't wanna like float too, too far to one area or the other. Like you kinda have to learn how to embrace all aspects of yourself, the things that mm-hmm. you're great at, the things that you're good at, the things that like, you know, could be better that you want to work on. Um, but we have to hold ourselves um, with grace too when we do that. And yes. Also, and be kind to ourselves, knowing that there are things that we need to improve, knowing there are goals or intentions that we have that we are striving toward. But I think something that's really interesting thinking back about discovering like your passion and your purpose um, and I'm, I'm going to use my own experience. Mm-hmm. I really honestly believe that your your purpose lies somewhere in between figuring out what fascinates you and what frustrates you. <laughs> and somewhere in between is like where you will find, I think, your purpose. Mm-hmm. Because that, that's what inspired me personally to want to focus on like the workplace and introverts specifically um, is that I was fascinated about myself. I became fascinated about knowing more about who I am and exploring that and understanding the communities around me. Um, But I was also equally frustrated at how, you know, introverts and black people and people of color are often excluded from the workplace and how we're undervalued. Uh, and how we can be discriminated in the workplace and the impact and the effect of that on our communities as a whole. And so figuring out what fascinated me as well as what were the frustrations of that helped me to determine where my purpose truly lies. 
And so I don't know if that's helpful to anyone. No, or... it is helpful. Cause I never thought of it in that way of like, okay, what really frustrates you? And then use that to drive, you know, to find your purpose. I never thought of it in that way. And that's a good perspective. That's why I need to have different perspectives all the time on my show because now you have this like if you start to like write frustration i always go back to like the journal like write frustration in the middle of the circle because i'm always about concept maps like with my students and just write what frustrates you and then just write it down and then i think that will lead you to some like understanding but like what you said do it with grace and be kind with, with yourself always no because i feel like you know you said it earlier uh, in this episode where we talked about how introverts tend to be overly critical of ourselves mm-hmm. and we just kind of hold ourselves to a different standard and because of that we don't really operate with kindness all the, all the time with ourselves and a lot of times you know for introverts i don't want to speak for every introvert yeah no. <laughs> you know um we can sometimes our thoughts can be riddled with like self-doubt mm-hmm. you know and a lot of that self-doubt unfortunately comes from the environments that we've been in for most of our lives a lot of it comes from um you know i think us feeling like we don't belong and like there's no place for us or feeling like there's something wrong with us because our preferences exist within instead of outward um and that absolutely affects the way that we think about or the way that we ourselves sometimes it's our like familial relationships the experiences that we've had with people um because sometimes i think especially for black introverts aside from like the workplace we also have like a different set of issues sometimes that we have to deal with with our own family members yeah um, in terms of like just that's a whole other conversation a whole other episode it's a whole Jeanette's gonna have an episode. Oh yes, you might. You're gonna have to come back for that. You're gonna have to come back for that. Like, I really need to do an episode on just that. But <laughs> wow, I didn't even like think of that. But that is an episode in itself. Yeah, that's an episode. In, that's in not the- even the workplace. But hey, it's a workplace for some people now because some of us are like working from home now. So yeah, totally. No, and I think, you know, that actually is a good segue to another tip, which is like, you know, you hear a lot about morning routines. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes like, post, like, this is my morning routine. This is how I get ready. And this is how I set myself up for the day. Um, but you don't hear a lot of people talk about um, how they transition to end the workday to move into their evening. And yeah, that's, that's important. You should do that. Like, post. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. And I think that's so important as introverts specifically because um, I'm going to use, okay, so for example, when you exercise, right, like say you, you go like cycling or something or you go running, like after you're done doing that, what's the next thing you do? You do a cool down. You don't just go from running or cycling to like, okay, I'm going to go make dinner. Maybe you do, but you probably don't have an injury or something. Mm-hmm. You know, We're going to be sore later and then can't sore. even move. Right. <laughs> And so it occurred to me one day when I was like on a bike, I was like, you know, we don't move that way in our life mm-hmm. and we should. And I feel like a lot of what helps introverts be able to show up um, as their best selves um, at work is when we have the opportunity to plan and prepare and to set ourselves up right. And so like what I've started experimenting with is intentionally making like marking the transition of moving from the end of the work day to evening into my evenings. And I think this takes on 
even greater importance if you work from home. Oh yeah, because it's hard to do the separation. Right, it's hard to do the separation. And there's no real like clear delineation of like where work, you know, begins and where home ends and all of that. And so I've been experimenting with um, figuring out ways to create like a little mini routine that, that lets me know it's time to stop and move on to the next thing, which is my evening. So what I've been doing is I created this like 55 minute playlist of songs. And most of the songs have like downbeat tempos. And they're like very like soft, mellow songs, but still have like some kind of energy to it. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly 55 minutes. I have been experimenting with light. And so what I'll do is I'll turn off like the light I have right now. And then I will either use my Philips Hue and like I might set it to, I've been using like a deep fusion color because for some reason to me that. That light color. Yeah, I didn't think of like the lighting, how that changes the and affects you. Yeah, lighting has, I think, a big uh, impact on how like our work environment too. Oh, of course. Yeah, I need to have some sunlight because if it's dark, I'm like going to bed. Yeah, for sure. And so I use this 55 minutes of this time to have like this music to to use the lighting to signify to me like, okay, you're moving into another part of your day. And so I'll move from like those brighter lights to those colors. Um, and then I'll spend like 45 minutes like responding to emails, like any like responses I've put off at the end of the day so I don't have to worry about them. And yeah. then I'll be like 15 to 20 minutes to just prepare for the next day. So I'll look at my calendar. I'll see if there's any meetings I can get rid of. Are there any meetings that are an hour long that I can get down to 30? Because for being, you know, being an introvert, it's all about saving our energy. And so ways to be more, if it's like energy efficient, you know, and it's in a sense. Um, And so I'll use that 15 to 20 minutes to do that prep work. Um, And then once that time is over, what I've recognized is that if you do this on a habitual basis and it doesn't have to be what I'm doing specifically, but if you put together something that lets you know I'm ending the day and I'm going on to the next thing, you start to, you almost start to have like a muscle memory to it. And then you can just let the day go because we can't really control everything that's happening in the workplace all the time. But we can absolutely control how we start our day, how we end our day, how we transition from certain points of the day. And I think as an introvert, we should focus on those things so that we can maintain our own sense of well-being. Yeah, our own sanity. But I do like what you said about just, I never thought of it in that way of like, just having a clear plan the same way we have a clear plan of like what we have to do when we're working you need to have a clear plan once it's time to close that computer and okay now it's me time now it's time for me to transition to whatever i need to do to feel comfortable for the next day and not worry about oh my gosh i have to do this for tomorrow and that for tomorrow it's like tomorrow is tomorrow like enjoy what you have left of the day because eight hours you're sleeping right and then if you have nine to five you're working and then you have a little bit of time for yourself or whatever you need to do in the house so like how are you using that time to like feed yourself mentally emotionally physically and all of those things and like you said like with habits like once you cre- create a habit and you keep doing it doing it even if it's 20 minutes a day those 20 minutes of day is like a step in the right direction versus like you not doing it at all 
because I'm like trying to work out. I'm like, okay, let me, and I've been doing it 20, like consistently and I'm seeing like, oh, I find myself just like, wait, I gotta do it. So like, if you start to just form good habits and it just becomes something that you do every day naturally and you do it with grace and kindness. <laughs> and I love what you said, uh, if you don't make time to like feed yourself. I was like, I really like that you use that word because like when I think of feed, it signifies to me like nurturing. Mm-hmm. And like, we don't make enough space to like nurture ourselves. We just don't. And we're no, not taught to do that either. Oh no, like why would we be taught to do that when, like that's a whole nother conversation. Like when we were born into, a, you know, generations of people that were just told like you are to work, 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 and then you sleep, get up, work, 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 work. And there's no time for enjoyment. That's not for you. Right. It's and for the other people, you know? <laughs> right, like you're somehow exempt from that. Like that's yeah. not your right to have rest and ease and- and you like to work because you're, you know, you're a strong black woman. So why wouldn't you want more stuff on your plate? Um, but we have to kill that stereotype that, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say, you know what? No, I can't do this. This is too much. I need time for myself and I need a break. No, a hundred percent. You know, with that too, like learning to recognize when you need rest, like I know, you know, there's a lot of stigma sometimes in the workplace for some people, like being able to take time, even when they have like generous like PTO, like they yeah. is based off the culture that workplace. Like, how do I, you know, how can I comfortably do that? Or you feel like you have that like extra eye on you as like yeah, it's like oh wait, don't post anything because you're taking a day off. You better be staying in bed, and then you have this whole thought of like, do they know? Like, it, you, it's like I might as well just go to work. <laughs> no, it's just like we we have to often like operate almost like off the grid. You're like okay. I'm going to take this vacation. Yeah, like you are a spy or a detective. (laughs) Like it's not that, we're not rocket scientists. You should be able to take the time you need, especially if you have the time and you're like feeling guilty because you need to take time for yourself. I I started, I was at a point where I was like, no, I need a mental health day. Like, sorry. And and not, and feeling like, you know, I, I, I used to do this when I was younger. I feel like in my like early to mid 20s I did this which was like over explain my need to take a day off for vacation I used to feel like I had to like put together a summary oh no that stopped real quick for me I guess the teacher I was like I will not be in today sorry for the inconvenience boom like my my old my mentor was like you don't need to explain they can't ask you just and that's it not no explanation no don't oh well my dog or whatever no <laughs> until like I want to say maybe after like 26 I was like okay we're not doing this it's just hi I'm taking x y and z days off I've done this thank you let me have any questions because when you start to over explain yourself you leave room and you open up a can of worms for them to just start asking questions or just be nosy it's like let let their mind wander (laughs) like you or like you potentially open up like but because you unintentionally share too much information like they can later be like used or weaponized against you. yeah yeah so you you need to like and, and that actually that makes me think about the whole like authentic self conversation because i wanted to clarify something because i feel like we hear that word like that phrase thrown around so often and it's like used to show like how to be your most confident 
like person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to clarify it because like, for me, I look at it a little bit differently when I say authentic self. What I mean by that, when I say like, hey, introverts, you can show up to work as your authentic self unapologetically as an introvert. What I really mean is that you should and can show up just as you are without trying to emulate other extroverts. You can curate whatever type of image, which is real. You can curate what you want and still be real. You don't Mm -hmm. have to care. I want to be careful with saying that word authentic and showing up because I feel like sometimes people think that that means that you have to like bear your soul yeah and you don't have to do that either that's not right and then there's no boundaries and then people get lost in that and so what I mean is you know you can show up as you are you can be who you are there's power in that because I feel like you know if I had saw if I had seen like more introverts um in the workplace who looked like me who were just existing as they were as they are truthfully that would have encouraged me and have provided me with like an extra boost of confidence to be able to operate in that same way. Because I do believe when you see, when you can see something, you, you feel like, okay, I can do this, I can do that. Um, but because so many of us don't feel this way, we don't have the opportunity to see this in like the real world and we don't think it exists. And so we feel like we need to retreat and either become something else. So a lot of us, I think, take on more of an extroverted persona and then end up feeling exhausted and burnt out and burnt out um and then there and then there are just others of us who you know just feel like who give up after a certain time who feel like you know what I can't be me you know I don't feel comfortable I'm just gonna try to hide in this organization like I'm just gonna try to see like if I can just stay out you know of plain sight so yeah and then you're not even um using your full potential and like all the things you probably can offer to whatever company you're working for you're not offering it because you're so worried about what everyone else is thinking about you or and you're thinking about what you think about yourself and it's just just a downward spiral no definitely and i think you know with all of those things too like in, in, enable in, in for i would say like for introverts to be able to show up as they are and to and to really own it, I think part of owning it is establishing boundaries. And and the reason why I touch on that is because when we have boundaries, it establishes respect. Like mm-hmm. people don't, and that's not to say that everyone's going to respect all your boundaries in the workplace all the time, but you can point back to them and you can reinforce them until they get it. But I do think it breeds a certain level of respect that people will have for you versus when you're an introvert who doesn't have any boundaries or is operating in a way that shows that like you don't have any boundaries. Um, so solidifying things like what are your actual core working hours? Like when do I work? Especially if you work from home. Um, when do you start or end your day? When are you checking emails? The best thing I ever did for myself at work was I created an auto reply that said basically, hey, I'm really hard at work. I only check my emails at 12 and four. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so then those people know, okay, if I want her attention, I need to write her between 12 and then write her in at four. Right. And that's and, it. No, and that came about because I was drowning in my emails 
and I was feeling really overwhelmed. And I was like, I can't keep up at this like frenetic pace and I need to do something. And I think a lot of times when we find ourselves feeling overwhelmed as an introvert, we need to first stop and examine why and where that's coming from. And I think a lot of times when we stop and do that, you'll be able to recognize that the reason why you feel overwhelmed in the workplace is because there's some boundary that you're, that's not there, that you mm -hmm. need want to be there. And for me, I was just letting people, I was playing into this idea that I'm, I'm about to respond to all of these emails that are coming at me. But I noticed when I put put that auto reply in in um, my, my inbox and started saying, being very specific and clear about when I'm going to do something, a couple of things happened. My emails went down. Mm -hmm. I gave myself a buffer and a window to be able to respond. Um, sometimes in between those times, people would just figure stuff out on their own because let's be honest, most of the emails that we get, people could probably just figure it out. They did a little bit of extra work. Mm -hmm. um, and I set a clear boundary and people could respect it. And so in a way you're teaching people how to respect you. And so I think that's something that we can all learn as introverts and just anybody in, in general. Like when you set boundaries, you're, what you're really saying is that I respect myself. Yeah. And you should too. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's really important. That was the, the first episode that was about boundaries. And that's just in every aspect of our lives that we, I feel like if we don't have clear boundaries, no one's gonna know how to treat you. They're gonna treat you the way they feel they can treat you. But the moment you say, hey, no, this is not okay. This is not how I operate. Then people start, A, they're gonna either get upset and it's like, okay, you're gonna get upset because the way I want to be treated mm -hmm. and you just look crazy or B they'll accept and say okay I can deal with it and that's it so there's two options and both options it shouldn't matter to you because you need to focus on your boundaries and being okay with that and I feel like it's hard it's really hard for us to not care about the opinions of others especially the people we love and care about it's hard so I think it's important for us to just do it, like going back to that grace and kindness always, right? I, I wrote that down, like being kind to ourselves because sometimes we're not kind. No, for sure. And we also don't give ourselves enough credit. And I think because we don't give ourselves enough credit, like other people don't give us credit for the work that we do. And one of the things that I would love to see change in the workplace is for introverts to be more acknowledged for like the labor and the real work that we do because you know extroverts might have the idea or the vision so to speak but it's more often than not it's the introverts that are actually executing mm -hmm. uh, and I know that there are so many more of us who are introverts who have amazing ideas but it gets overshadowed sometimes by the louder more extroverted people in our office and so those ideas never make it to the table and so I just really want to you know, help introverts in the workplace be able to establish space for them because, you know, extroverts don't really leave a lot of space for us most of the time. We have to kind mm -hmm. of fight to kind of get in there. Yeah, and it's like at some point we're not going to want to do that because then it depends on how like then you're thinking about the response they might have because you like spoke up and then it's like, okay, what am I going to say to them <laughs> if that leads to something? 
Um, so I feel like if you have everything prepared, like if you're planning and you know that you're going into any meeting or anything that you're going into, if you have a clear plan and you say, hey, wait, I wasn't done speaking, you know, like I have ideas that I want to share and you, you just do that. I also noticed for me, I don't know if this is for everyone else, that once we went remote, I felt like I was able to own it more because I was, I didn't have people around me in my space. I was comfortable. And then it was just this computer screen, <laughs> you know, and I was able to speak up a lot more than I, what I did before. Like if I was talking with my principal, if I'm talking with my colleagues, it was different. And even them, they were like, wow, Jeanette, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's different. Cause when you're in an environment where you feel comfortable versus if you're sitting in like an office where your principal's sitting behind the chair, your boss is sitting behind the chair. And then, you know, it's like, it's a different environment than being home or being somewhere where you feel comfortable. Oh, absolutely, because the open, the open workplace, like office space environment, it definitely didn't work for me. I've been working remotely for most of my career in some respect. And I always encourage introverts, like if there's a way, if there's a possibility for you to have the opportunity to work remote, like do it. Because I feel like in our case, it helps advance our careers. Versus, yeah, thrive. And, yeah, versus being in the office, it's, it's easier somehow for us to be overlooked because of how people interact in the office. There's a lot of like walking over to them. Yeah, like small talk and it's like, okay. And then you're staring at the person like, okay. Like, and it's very short and brief and like, okay, that was weird. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't like, want to talk to you about your TV show you were watching. I don't care. I don't watch that show. <laughs> right? And like just 100%. And it's like, it's very disruptive. I'll never understand how you can have on headphones and people still feel like I'm going to tap you on the shoulder. You can have headphones, a book, writing notes. <laughs> it's always the same. It's, it's such a thing. But, um, you know, I'm glad that you said that about introverts and, and about working remotely and, and feeling like you're able to own it more because I stumbled up on, I had read something and it was an extrovert, I'm assuming, who was giving career advice and was saying like, you know, I really worry about the introverts now that were remote because like, how are they going to be seen? And I was just like, I, I was reading it and I was like, first of all, <laughs> you will be seen uh, because most of us are great communicators, whether it's through written communication, mm -hmm. um, like we're able to speak more freely and it, what it did with us moving to working remote for a lot of people is it flipped the switch. So a lot of extroverts are at home feeling really uncomfortable right now. Yeah, it's like, wait, I need to be doing something. I need to be, and I'm like, ha, ah, next book. <laughs> it's true. And so I feel like working remote has actually helped us um, and has enabled the workplace to have to rethink how they work and how they collaborate. And it just so happens that, you know, because it's remote, it favors introverts more often than extroverts. And so it's been interesting to watch like my extroverted friends or colleagues have to like learn how to work differently. Yeah, because they still want that social interaction. Like whenever they're on the computer, they want to talk. I'm just like, can we get to work? <laughs> right, we just want to like do this. Yeah, thing. like talking about what they're watching or what they're eating or like their new diet plan. It's like, who cares? <laughs> because they just need that social act interaction. I get it. I do. Uh, but it's just nice to see like the the roles switch a little bit. 
So like taking the pressure off us of having like, okay, I'm gonna have this meeting. Now I gotta go be social. Now when we have our meetings, it's virtual and it's a screen and you're sitting there like, okay, you know, it's totally different now. No, and it's great because it, it, I'm hopeful that maybe it will cultivate some empathy. Like now that, you know, the roles have been kind of Yes. And in reverse. That's what I'm, I'm hoping. And what my wish is that the or, the workplace will become more flexible um, in the concept of work, how we carry out work so mm-hmm. that we can have a more balanced uh, playing field for introverts and extroverts. And introverts. Well, that would be great. But I, I want to thank you for coming to the show and just sharing your insights. Um, and do you want to do your call to action? So like where people can find you, get to know you more, because I'm sure after this episode, you're going to have tons of people wanting to connect with you because you have so much knowledge that you could share with people that are just trying to navigate through the workplace and be an introvert and be their true self. Oh, and thank you, Jeanette, um, as well. I'm, I'm happy to share that information. But first, I just want to end by saying this. Oh, yes, yes. Um, for one, um, you know, I was so excited to be a guest in your podcast because anytime I have the opportunity to just engage with other Black women who are also introverts, it's just, it's pure joy for me. And so being able to be a guest in your podcast, you know, I felt understood and seen and it's just it's a really beautiful thing and i just wanted to thank you again for having me together you yeah, know thank you for coming it's it and whenever i have a fellow introvert on the show it's just natural it's not like okay we have to break the ice or like me and you we don't know each other outside of instagram but it seems like oh well this is my homegirl from high school you know but it's a different feel and i think this having instagram you know we talked about it before like i'm not an instagram person like that's not something i want to do but realizing that wait there's an opportunity to connect with people in a different way as long as you you're clear on your your message that you you want to bring across people so i thank you for coming on to the show kenny yeah, absolutely and um, i hope this episode is helpful for introverts out there um if you're interested and in, in learning more about me and the work that i do um, or just getting some career tips on, on how to, to work in the workplace as an introvert, uh, check it out on Instagram at, uh, at Kenny W. Dominguez. I just changed my handle. I'm trying to think about it for a second. I know. That was... <laughs> like, wait. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the uh, Instagram handle is at Kenny W. Dominguez. That's at uh, K-E-N-I-W Dominguez, D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E-Z. Uh, please uh, follow and, and become part of the community. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn as Kenny Dominguez as well. Ryan, you won't regret it because I look forward to like your posts. And it's like, wow, like I didn't know. And I learn a lot because I'm not an, like an expert in anything. I'm always learning. You know, I'm always willing to grow. And it's nice to see when I can like go on Instagram and, and continue to learn things. Right, because if I'm saying if I'm going to be on Instagram most of my day, if I am, I want to be able to learn. So I always try to follow people that I can learn from and grow from. And Kenny is one of those people. So thank you for joining us on this segment of Black Introvert Intellects. Let me stop. Hey, what's up? Welcome to this segment, Black Educator. I'm so excited because in this week's segment, we're talking about the why. I'm going to be sharing the why I decided to let go of fear 
because, you know, last week we were talking about how fear was for the birds. And I want to share with you why I decided to let go of fear of being um, of not being my own boss. It was very fearful of like the unknown of like what's going to happen when I make the rules. I decide how I want to teach and what I want to teach in the classroom and letting go of that fear and becoming my own boss and starting my own business. And I want to share with you, you know, when we start to walk in our purpose, everything comes together for the greater good. Like being a black educator in itself is a blessing, right? Being a black educator is so important. And I don't think it's given much attention. And I want to make sure that it's brought to people's attention if I have to talk about it every single episode until people see there's a need for more of us and why it's important. So I'm just going to share my own experiences of being a Black educator. Some of you have been listening to me since season one, so you know a lot of the history that comes with being a Black educator with my experiences. And some of you are new, so I I don't want to go into like great detail in this episode, but the main goal is that I want to talk about the why, right? Why did I decide now in the middle of a pandemic when having a secure job is like the safe thing to do? You know, it's the right thing to do where there's people right now who don't have jobs. And yeah, that's why I did it. You know, the fact that there are 7% of public school teachers that are black in America, 7%, and only 11% of public school principals are black. Seeing those numbers, I felt that me sitting behind a screen teaching 21 kids, I felt like I wasn't really reaching my true potential, my true purpose. So when people are like, why did you decide to create your own literacy corner during this time? It's because now is the time, right? Did you know that one quarter of the U.S. students, one quarter of U.S. students don't have what they need for online learning, right? A quarter. So when I'm sitting there behind a a computer screen, you know, teaching in a wealthy school district when most of my students have access to technology and I'm realizing that that quarter needs support, So the goal with Jeanette's Literacy Corner, the why behind it, is that I want to provide as much free resources for the communities that don't have access to coaches, that don't have access to um, well-educated teachers, like, and that are Black, right? Because with me being a Black educator, not only do I bring my degree with me, right? My master's degree in um, literacy education, but I also bring this aspect of experience, right? I am a product of public school, right? I didn't go to a wealthy private school, so I understand the struggles of being a Black student in schools, right? I know what it's like to have teachers that you're like, mom, no, she doesn't like me, because I'm black. And then it's like, no, no, no. And so I, I'm a product of that. So now when I'm on the other side of it and I see one of my students who are black 
being mistreated, I see it from a different perspective than a white teacher would. And why is that? Because I have experienced it as a child. So then when I become a teacher, black educators, we see things differently, right? That implicit bias that a white, a lot of white educators have, it kind of interferes with that. So when people ask me, oh, but why now? It's because one quarter of the U.S. student population don't have access to online learning. And guess what? Who do you think the students are that don't have access to that? Right? Many students of color do not have the same access to devices or broadband. Depending on where you live, you have like crappy like service. The Wi-Fi sucks. It is what it is. Depending on the neighborhood you live in, you're waiting forever for the cable company to come fix your Wi-Fi. And then how are you learning? And I've seen it. That was already a struggle. So now when you have the whole partial learning, blended learning, how are we holding on to the responsibility of making sure kids are in school, but also taking care of our own mental health? Right, because now we're sitting here chasing kids. Oh, your child's not here, your child's not here. And then, but who's helping us, right? So yes, there's a lot of trauma. And I think there's a lot of emotional support that's not there for black educators that is going through the cracks, right? Because not only are we dealing with the pandemic, you know, having to be exposed, but we already know what communities are Um, at a disadvantage when it comes to COVID. It's communities of color. And those are the ones, and we are the ones that are going to teach, right? So not only are we putting our health at risk, it's a lot. It's a lot to consider. So when people ask me my why for quitting, it's so many factors, right? But I always wondered, has it always been this way? The whole, you know, 7% of public school teachers are black and 11% of public school principals are black. I always wondered, like, has it always been this way? Right. So I did my little research because that's what I love doing. Um, And, you know, once I have a question, I, I have to do like an inquiry. I have to research it. I have to figure it out. And I wanted to know, like, has it always been this way? And in 19, 1954, um, you know, Brown versus Board, I, you know, I didn't take law and I didn't, un, un, I didn't take time to focus on history. It's not that I didn't take time to focus on it. Let me stop myself there. Let me correct what I meant. We didn't really learn that much, right? If you didn't go to college and pay to take Black studies, you didn't really learn about this unless you went on Google and researched it yourself. This was not being taught in schools. So when the Brown versus Board when it came out prior to that, right, there used to be Black-only schools. And those Black-only schools, who do you think the teachers were in those schools? They were Black educators, right? They were Black principals. They were Black superintendents. But, but there was consequences for the Brown versus Board that no one really talks about. Like, what happened to all those Black educators, right? Because Once they stopped doing the Black-only schools, a lot of Black educators, Black principals were forced to resign. And they were highly educated teachers, but tens of thousands 
of black teachers and principals lost their jobs because white superintendents began to integrate schools, but they really weren't putting black educators in the position um, of authority over white teachers, right? So it's very rare when you do see black educators in leadership roles. And it all goes down, like really taking time to research Brown versus Board. It's like, what did it really do? Yes, it helped desegregate schools, but did it really? How did, what effect did it have on black teachers? Because there was a time where there were black only schools, which was led by black educators, which I did not know this. And it's so interesting what you can find on the Internet. So I wanted to share that little snippet with you because I say this all to come to the understanding that the reason why I decided to, you know, become my own boss and create my business is because I know that I can make a better impact when I'm leading and creating my own space, creating my own table, right? I'm done asking to be a part of the curriculum planning. I'm tired of saying, hey, can we add some can we add some history of Harlem Renaissance? Can we add all of this? Like whatever you want to add to the curriculum to show black children and black and brown in a good light. Or when you try to add different things to your curriculum, it's like, oh, just follow the curriculum. And it's like, yeah, why are we following a curriculum that supports white supremacy? Like it is what it is. Like during Dr. Seuss month or Dr. Seuss week, we're really sitting here doing Dr. Seuss But then we already know what we saw, like he was a racist. So there's so many things that are happening right now, right? Like this microaggression against black people, just being a black educator in in white spaces, it can be a lot to deal with. So instead of trying to find a table, instead of me asking to be a part of the table, asking to show that, yeah, I'm educated. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for seven plus years. I know how to teach. I know how to move students from level to level. I know how to engage students. These are things that I've been doing. But when you are begging for a seat at a table that you barely want to sit at, right? And you wake up and you're like, okay, hold up. We don't even share the same values, We don't even have the same beliefs. So why am I fighting to sit at a table that I don't even want to be at? So you really have to sit with yourself and ask, what's your why? And that's why I wanted to share my why, right? My why is because I want to create my own table and bring other educators that are like-minded like me and join together because there's so much that we can do when we work together. And Jeanette's Literacy Corner is a space that is going to bring awareness on the importance of reading at an early age and also bringing understanding for parents on tips of how to teach their kids how to read and how to support them. Or even for parents who want to learn how to read for themselves, because when they grew up, their teacher was just like, oh, just read it. This is what it is. Instead of explaining the how you do it, instead of just do it. Right. Because that's the education we came from. Right. And we I mean, black people. So taking the time to invest in your child's education is probably one of the best things that you can do.
And when people ask me the why that I do this is because my son, right? His education, him, he is my priority. So when you see Janice Literacy Corner, he is, me and him, we're the backbone because everything that I do is for him to have a better education, right? The fact that I left my job so that way I can spend more time educating him and getting him ready for kindergarten, right? Because there are things that he's lacking because he doesn't have the same resources as um, schools that are in predominantly white neighborhoods, right? So me, even though I'm an educator, teaching in one of the best districts in New York City, right? I don't live in that district. Therefore, my son can't go to that school district. So there's things that, you know, I'm living in these two different worlds that was really bothering me. And then seeing that number that 7% of public school teachers are black, are black. And it's like, so why can't I make a bigger impact by creating my own space where I can provide free resources for the community? Because that's my why. Right? If I can change every child that has come in my life and I have the ability to change your life and motivate them to love reading and fall in love with reading, why can't I do that for more people? Why can't I do that for more children or more teachers and more educators who, you know, they may not have a passion for reading. They may have a passion for math and I get it, um, but they want to grow that passion for reading. And that's my goal with Jeanette's Literacy Corner. It's not just for helping children to learn how to read, but also I want to also support educators who want to support struggling readers and build on their development, right? But they just don't know how to do it. And that's what I'm here for. That's what Jeanette's Literacy Corner is all about. And I just want to thank you for tuning into the Black Educator segment and stay tuned for more later. Hey, welcome back to this segment of Black Educator. I was reading this article. Every month I get this uh, magazine from the National Education Association. I don't know if everyone else gets it, but I do. And there was this amazing article called, Do You Have Zoom Fatigue? And I was telling people like, oh my gosh, like I would have this crazy headache after staring at the computer screen for so long. I would have to like, I would literally sit in the dark because my head was hurting and then this article it says do you have zoom fatigue and it says zoom fatigue can be a serious problem and brain science may tell us why so imagine like our brains and it said like our brains are used to picking up body language and we don't really pay attention to that but as teachers think about it Whenever your student is upset, you can read their body language. If your student is not paying attention, you can look at their body language. And we don't pay attention to that until we're teaching behind a screen where it's hard for us. And it's crazy that our brain uses body language to pick up cues. And the fact that we're not experiencing that face-to-face communication anymore, and we're looking at it through a video, that can cause our brain to overwork and that's what's causing the fatigue. Isn't that crazy? That is so crazy. So one thing that I do or what I used to do in the classroom to help that, I would make sure I built in breaks, right? Mental breaks throughout the day where I would just turn the screen off and just like put like a mask on, put a scarf on your eye and just lay down for like five minutes. That helps. 
listening to some music to soothe yourself that's something else that's really good take a walk go outside take a walk and then come back in that also helps so these are some things and some tips that can help you get over the zoom fatigue isn't that crazy that now in the future we might say do you suffer from zoom fatigue well i'm trying to give you some tips that help me get over that that really help me and also make sure you have blue light glasses blue light glasses are amazing i got mine from amazon but and it was really cheap it came with like a pack of three glasses so totally check that out on amazon but these are some things that you can do to help you try to build in time throughout your day and i called it like a brain break especially for my students so make a brain break for you as an educator you need to take a mental break from everything thank you for listening to this little short segment of how to do some self-care for you and stop overwhelming yourself with things that are unnecessary you cannot get to everything in one day right no teacher can do that and if you think you can you're going to keep burning yourself out so just know that you cannot do everything in a day Thanks for listening to this segment of Black Educator. Later. Hey, just want to say thank you for checking out volume 16, how to be an introvert in the workplace and own it. I hope you walked away with something that was informative for you, something that you learn more about yourself because that's the goal of this podcast. Each episode, it's supposed to help you build on yourself and you take away something that you can write in your journal, right? And I want you to go out into the world and no longer be overwhelmed, right? Own it. If you're an introvert, love it, embrace it. There are some qualities that we have that other people wish that they did. So embrace it and enjoy who you are and never change for anyone. See you later.